0: Our gospel reading this morning from the end of the book of John. This is John 21, verses 19 through
1: 25. And uh, this is after
0: uh, Jesus has died on the cross, after he's been resurrected from the dead. It is after he has... Uh, gotten together with his disciples again, and after he has restored uh,
1: fellowship with Peter. Before I read, let us pray.
0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for your word, which you have
1: given for our benefit. Lord, we pray that you would help us not to take your word lightly or
0: for granted, God, we pray that you would use your word in our
1: lives, God, that it would continue uh, to be a forming and shaping tool,
0: that continues to conform our hearts and our lives and not
1: the patterns of this world, it continues to transform us. We would be like your son. Pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus uh, was talking to
0: Peter at the end of uh, restoring him to fellowship and then talked about how Peter was going to die. And it says, that then, starting in verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die, but Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written.
1: Turning to our New Testament reading, Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 6.
0: We're only going to look at the first six uh, verses, but the entire chapter goes on uh, to talk about people that you may remember from the Old Testament, and some don't find there. Uh, but talking about people who lived by faith. Says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel... Brought, a better, brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he
1: exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is the word of the Lord. Dear God. Well, there is... Uh, Marked this one.
0: Nope. Oh, there it is. I was one chapter off. Okay. Second Timothy chapter 4. There is a, um, a passage that Paul talks about of what things will be like in the last days. And he tells him, uh, of course, Timothy was living in the last days as we are as well. And uh, Paul says to him, preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear.
1: I can assure you that the message today is the word
0: that I will be preaching. It is not what any ears are itching to hear. Guarantee it. This morning, we are looking at a genealogy from Genesis 5. It's 32 verses of so-and-so had a son, and then he lived this many years, and then he died, and then they had, their son had this many. That's going to be the pattern. I want you to look for patterns as we go through this. It's important. It's in the Word of God. This is, this is in the Bible for a reason, and it is for our benefit. But there's nobody who got up this morning going, I sure hope we get to hear about a genealogy today. <laughs> If there's one thing we need to hear about, it's a genealogy. I know you didn't. However, I think God knows what he's doing. and I think it's good for us to hear uh, about genealogies, especially uh, this particular one. And I think this one is actually especially good for us to hear right now. So uh, as I say, maybe your ears aren't itching to hear this, but uh, this is the word of God and it is for a purpose and so let's dive in. We'll hear it all together, and then we'll go back through and pull out a few things to talk about with it. As we go through it, I do want you to listen carefully. I want you to listen carefully for the pattern, and I want you to listen carefully for the things that break the pattern, the things that you follow along with, the rhythm of everything, and then when it goes off rhythm, what is that about? So be listening uh, uh, both for the things that repeat, and the things that don't. Here we go. Um, Oh, and this is Genesis 5, just bringing us up to speed on where we've come from so far. In Genesis 1, we have a God who is creating everyone and everything on purpose and for a purpose, right? And, uh, And he creates it all good. And in chapter 2, we see that God is personally involved with his creation. Not only has he created mankind in his image, but he's personally involved with them. In chapter 3, we see that though he is personally involved with them, they kind of want to do things on their own. And so uh, we see humanity turn away from God. And so we have then the effects of sin in the world as they are removed from the garden and from the presence of the tree of life. And then we see that uh, in chapter 4, that has continued to spiral down as things, uh, one generation after another, just get worse and worse. That's kind of where we have been. And then we pick up, we go back to Adam and bring us all the way forward to Noah. Here we go. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. After he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. After he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. After he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived a total of 895 years, and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. After he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived a total of 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years
1: old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Dot, dot, dot. We'll get to that later. Did you notice any repetition there? <laughs> I think
0: so, if you're paying attention. Oh, and was any anybody have itching ears for this particular passage today? No? Okay. Just as I suspected. So, you noticed some repetition, right? What were some of the things that were repeated that you noticed kept coming back again and again?
1: And then he died. That's in there quite a bit, isn't it? That's had other sons and daughters. Yeah.
0: There are quite a few things that uh, repeat over and over. Andrew, let's see this first slide. All the, words that aren't, uh, all the words that you see there are the ones that are repeated over and over and over. And it's just the things in the boxes that change. And so you have, when so-and-so had lived however many years, he became the father of so-and-so. After he became the father of so-and-so, he, so-and-so lived however many years, and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, so-and-so lived a total of however many years, and then he died. That, all those words... That's the pattern over and over again. This is what's going on. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you're familiar with a lot of genealogies. If you've read some other ones in the Bible, uh, there are plenty of them in there. And typically when you hit a genealogy, what do you do? Skip it. <laughs> Irrelevant. I would encourage you to not do that. <laughs> um, one of the things I tell people about the genealogies is uh, it, it's one of those things that seems like Uh, To me, it's like you're looking at somebody else's yearbook, at their high school yearbook, and you're flipping through, and you're like, I don't know any of these people. I have no connection. I don't know anything about them. I don't even know why I'm looking at this. However, the more time you spend in the whole Bible, the less it seems like somebody else's yearbook, and the more it seems like your own yearbook. And you start going through these genealogies, and you're like, oh, I remember so-and-so. Oh, my goodness. There they are again. It's that kind of thing. So I would encourage you, don't skip the genealogies. They will, uh, yeah, (laughs) there'll be more there the more you're in it. Um, But there's also some things we can compare between genealogies. Uh, So you pointed out one of the things that was repeated a lot in this particular section, and that was, and then he died, right? Um, This is actually something that... uh, we as a family we always have made fun of my mom about is uh that every story she would tell it didn't matter what the story was or who it was she was talking about it we just knew it was coming that at the end of the story she would say and then he died <laughs> and we're mom no what are you doing that's such a bummer don't do that uh you know the story was so great and and then he died you know <laughs> i didn't realize how biblical her storytelling was. (laughs) But that is this constant refrain, and it's uh, a refrain that actually doesn't show up in other genealogies. Why does it show up in this one?
1: Where are we in the story? We have
0: have seen the effects of sin and the separation uh, that people have had from God and they are now out of the garden, away from the tree of life, right? Now, one of the things you may have noticed also is, as you go through this story is uh, just how old everybody was. Did you notice that? That tends to stand out to us. Um, From some of the reading I have done on this passage, though, apparently that would not have been a shocking thing to people back then, that there were stories from other areas around with way longer lifetimes lifespans recorded um especially like the kings if you were you know king for thousands and thousands of years kind of thing what's strange about this uh is that phrase and then he died in fact let's look at this first chart I, there are several uh pieces of information that I've charted out for you here <laughs> but there you go uh let me explain uh, this is looking at the ages when each one of them uh, recorded to have had their first son, as well as what age they were when they died. It's a little complicated and muddy, so let's just break it down. Let's look at how old they were when they died. Next slide. There we go. One of the things you might notice is how old they all are. Um, but as I was reading this aloud to one of my kids the other day, the immediate response was... Oh, so close to a 1,000. I think that's one of the things we're supposed to see here. None of them reach a 1,000. They all fall short. And it's like just when you think somebody's going to make it, and then he died. They don't make it. But there's actually one when you chart it out like this that might stand out to you. Do you notice it? It's this one highlighted, Andrew, right there. That shortest one. Well, that's weird, isn't it? In fact, Andrew, show us the line. This is the average of everybody else's age apart from that one. They're all way up there at like 912.2 or something. And then there's Enoch, who's only 365. You're like, what's that about? Get there. And then the, uh, the other thing that might stand out is when we look at how old they were when they had kids. So that's this one. Oh, that green does not show up well on there. Anyway, um, anybody stand out on that one? When you look at it this way, isn't that bizarre? It's that one on the end, that is Noah, five hundred. All the rest, and we see all these big numbers. And so, by the time we get to Noah, like it's like, oh yeah, yada yada, whatever. However old he was, we've stopped paying attention. You graph it out like this, you see that's something. Note where they show the line, Andrew. There we go. That is the age everybody else was when they had kids, which is still remarkably old by our standards like 117 or something like that. Um, But then Noah's, at, it's after he's 500 years old. What? That may be a bit of foreshadowing as well for other families we will see down the road as we continue the story of people who are having kids way later than their peers when it seemed all hope was lost, and yet it wasn't. Um, okay, we've pointed out some of the things that... Uh, stand out from from just looking at the numbers. Let's go back to that pattern. So this is the pattern of uh, everything that we see going on. And then he died, and then he died, and then he died. And we see this is the refrain. This is what we're supposed to be seeing in this passage. As we read this particular genealogy, we're supposed to be hearing that drumbeat, that refrain, and then he died. And here's one of the things that does for us.
1: It forces us as mortal people to face our own mortality.
0: That is something that we are really good at not facing. That is something that we have devised whole elaborate systems to keep us from facing. We have ways of not facing death in our society to the point of uh, when people are sick, we put them somewhere else so we don't see it. When they are near death, they go over there. We isolate ourselves from death because we don't want to be reminded that we too are going to die.
1: I heard, I think it was uh, on Calvin maybe? He was talking about the
0: way that you can even go to a funeral and for a moment you can
1: think about death and yet still walk away thinking, it won't happen to me. Isn't that bizarre?
0: But when we see this uh, pattern again and again, it makes us,
1: at least for a while, consider we are going to die. Is that a bad thing to consider that? Is that a bad thing to be aware of our mortality? Moses didn't think so. In Psalm 90, the prayer of Moses, the man of God, he
0: says in verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. How many times do we forget that our days are limited? And so we put off indefinitely the things that are important,
1: the things that we ought to be doing today, not knowing how many days we have left. we'll go ahead and go here let's look at the next slide um everything in bold
0: there is verses one through three is the um stuff that breaks the pattern basically lived a th- 130 years is the only thing that's the same everything else is different the introduction is is different this is about how god has created mankind and he goes back to genesis 1 of creating mankind in his own image uh, but then when you have verse 3 adam lived 130 years he had a son in his own likeness in his own image you think these are related i think so <laughs> uh, and so you have from the beginning god describing or depicting himself as our heavenly father
1: of like how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who heart in heaven. Um, that's all we're going to say about that. Skip to next. Uh, this is,
0: now we're going to do this out of order. Sorry, Andrew. Go to the next one. This is uh, at the end of a story. We have Noah also breaks the pattern. Um, and it actually mirrors what happens when Adam has Seth and names him Seth after God has named him uh, Adam or mankind. word. Then we get to uh, Lamech naming Noah and actually saying, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. By the time we get to the, this far in the genealogy, we have not forgotten the curse, have we? That everything that we're seeing here is as a result of the fall. Of being outside of the garden. Not having access to the tree of life. And you can hear, even here, the we need somebody.
1: Even as they're naming Noah, it's we need somebody. Undo this. We'll get to Noah's story. All right, Andrew, let's go back one. And we'll look at the other exception. Remember, normally it says, uh,
0: uh, after they became the father of so-and-so, they lived so many more years, had other sons and daughters, altogether lived a total of this many years, and then they died. This time, it doesn't say he lived however many more years. But instead, it says, and it says it twice, he walked faithfully with God. And again, uh, altogether, he lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. There are two breaks in the pattern with
1: Enoch. Enoch, the seventh generation mentioned, doesn't say that he died. You are expecting by the time you get there, and then he died. Not there. But what's the other difference? What in the world could be the difference?
0: Walked faithfully with God, right? That's the part that's mentioned twice.
1: You walked faithfully with God instead of just lived this many years. Is that different? Oh my goodness, is that different? We have constructed for ourselves a
0: society that says how long you live is what's important.
1: That is not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is walking with God is what's important. This is one of those um,
0: one of those parts of the Bible or themes that goes all the way through the Bible. That is so absolutely on the surface, plain as day. Can't miss it. That we miss all the time. I'm gonna point it out. And I'm gonna ask you to look for it everywhere. It's everywhere. The idea of walking with God,
1: of living life with God, of this life together.
0: Um, there was a book that we went through several years ago, actually, paired it with the book of Philippians for our Wednesday night Bible study. And uh, and it was fantastic. Uh, the book called "With" by Sky Jatani.
1: and he goes through right here. Uh, he goes through the
0: four different postures people tend to have in their relationship with God, even if there is no relationship. Um, and basically, he says. All of humanity is kind of in one of these four positions uh, typically, and that is either life over God or life under God or life from God or life for God. And I'm not going to explain all those things right now, but he says, you know, in his own life, he'd been in all four of those. I know in mine, I have two. <laughs> um, and I've talked to others who've had the same Uh, experience and yet what he points out though is that what we tend to do as christians is realize oh the one i'm in is wrong i need to move to another one of those or as a christian what i need to do is help move other people from the one they're in to the one i'm in he said but all four of those are not what the bible's been talking about from start to finish from genesis to revelation From the Garden of Eden to the new creation, it's all about life with God. This is (laughs) Jesus coming, what is he called? Emmanuel, God with us. How do we miss this? I'm telling you, it's plain as day once you know to look for it.
1: But it is also, um, this is... This is the one thing we can't miss. That this is what Jesus came to bring
0: is the answer to the problem. Is Noah the one who's going to bring uh, the ultimate rest and undo the curse? I mean, if you haven't read the rest of the story, I hate to ruin it for you, but
1: not Noah. (laughs) There's some good stuff with Noah, but it's not him. It is Jesus, the one who actually defeats death, breaks the curse, and
0: brings us in unity and in fellowship and in communion with God. And this is the life that we talk of as eternal life, the real life, the true life, the life with
1: God. That starts now and goes on to forever. Um, don't miss this. I told you your ears weren't itch- itching to hear this. That's the message we need to hear. <laughs> One other thing. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. In 1985,
0: Super Bowl Sunday uh, was on January 20th and it was a Sunday evening and my family had just gotten a brand new VCR for Christmas because that's what was happening in the mid-80s. And so the Super Bowl was happening actually at the same time as our evening church service. And so there was, uh, the game was going on, church was about to start, what do you do? My dad decided that what he was going to do was use this brand new VCR, record the end of the game, go
1: to church. And uh, so that is what he did. He gets there and um, a
0: part of the way that evening went, there were some other guys who stayed home watched the rest of the game, showed up late, and told him how it ended. But anyway, (laughs) spoiled the ending. However, as it turns out, uh, he never got to watch the end of that game anyway. He was actually killed at work the next day. Uh, The school principal where there was a school shooting. And he went to work that day like any other day.
1: He did not know on Sunday that was his last day. But 1985, anybody remember who won the Super Bowl that year?
0: It was not the Bears. That is a great guess.
1: (laughs) It was not. We don't remember, do we? I'm sure there are people who do. I don't. Um, But I'll tell you this. Yeah, you can look it up. (laughs) But I'll tell you this,
0: what I do remember is that the day before my dad died,
1: he prioritized his walk with God over football, and he loved football. And that I remember.
0: That makes a difference. And when we as a church often, so often, we um, don't schedule things if they're going to conflict with other things in our society, I think that's a mistake. And one of the reasons I think that is because it keeps
1: us from having to make those choices that reveal our priorities. And even more than that, it keeps our kids from getting to see parents making those choices, revealing their priorities. Our walk with God should be a priority.
0: And it shouldn't just be a priority among all the other priorities. This should be the priority. It's the priority that actually gives meaning to everything else. It's, I've heard uh, Tim Keller, excellent preacher and author, um, who's currently dealing with pancreatic cancer, and he was talking about you know, how his life has been since the diagnosis, um, you know much about pancreatic cancer. It is high mortality rate. And he said, um, as going through this, he's as strange as it may sound, that he is actually happier now. He and his wife both are happier now than they ever were the whole rest of their lives. And he said one of the reasons for that is they have, they'd come to realize that they were looking at the things of this earth, the things that he was a accomplishing in ministry or whatever else, uh, the vacations they would go on, the places they would visit. And he said, you know, we realized we were trying to make heaven here. But once we realized, you know, death is imminent. Like, that is coming. He said it it actually enabled us to refocus that and make heaven our heaven. (laughs) And he said, and it seems like you would... Once you do that, then you wouldn't care about the things of this world. He said it's actually been the opposite. That it has enabled him to enjoy the things of this world as they are meant to be, which is gifts from God rather than uh, the ultimate things. And when we try to make the gifts of God something other and we try to make them the things we're living for, it sucks the joy out of them. But when we realize that these things are temporary, that our mortal bodies are temporary, it actually can heighten the enjoyment
1: and the gratitude for the gifts that God gives. So, again, we are clearly not tickling ears this morning.
0: (laughs) But, This is the message that God has for us. Life with him, through Jesus, is what it's all about. This should be our highest priority, and this is what gives meaning, and what gives purpose, and what gives enjoyment of all the gifts that God gives as we live and walk with him in everything.
1: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. Or we ask that you would teach us to number our days, that we would that we would know the wisdom of living each day, walking with you, or knowing that we don't. Uh, We don't have to fear the death that we know is coming. But as we live uh, our whole, the whole of our lives in the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear any evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff comfort us. Lord, help us to walk with you in everything. Lord, expose ways that we have set up our lives to not deal with the things that you are calling us to, and becoming the people that you have called us to be in relationship with you. In his name we pray.